so there's a reason why we do this every single week is because we all need to grow in areas of relationships. And uh, we're in the middle of a, or actually second week of our, our message series called Relations Strive. Um, Dale was stuck in the 90s. He pulled out a song this morning, Days of Elijah, you know, was written in 1997. That's old school, man. And uh, so when I came up with the title for this message series, Dale was like, that's so 90s. And he wasn't even alive in the 90s, but uh, it's all good. It's all good. So um, for those of you who are in love, lift your hands. Y'all hold them up, hold them up. I got to make sure every spouse. All right. Notice, hey, guys, guys, notice I hooked you up. I didn't say what you're in love with. Right, right? My wife told me that I've been having an affair lately, and uh, it's been work. I said, baby, we're going to stop right there. <laughs> I can't have an affair with work. I don't like work. <laughs> I don't think of, like, less of you because I think more of work. You know, that's not the kind of affair we're talking about. Um, but for those of you who are in love, I'm going to give you a really awesome tip right here this morning. Take notes. This is the month of love. Some reason, some crazy way, a million and two years ago, Valentine's Day landed in February because it wasn't enough to have Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. We got to have something quick, fast, and in a hurry so our ladies can feel valued. So let's do Valentine's Day. That's coming up next Sunday, right, guys? Hey, I'll stay a day early, okay? I got to stay ahead because I'm liable to forget. But listen, Valentine's Day is coming up, so we want to make sure that you lovers out there know what's coming up. So go ahead, make some, make some plans, order those chocolates and roses or chocolate roses, and get ready for spending some time with your spouse. But listen, this whole message series this month is not about just romantic love. It's about love, agape love, in all, all fashions of relationships. Last week we began um, talking about having love in all of our relationships. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to all stop for a moment. Just pause. I want you to think about those in your sphere of influence currently or maybe in the past that there was quite a bit of broken relationships, segmented relationships, dysfunctional relationships. You guys see that it is just prominent in today's society, right? You have daughters who have no connection with their mother or father. They don't talk. They may live in the same town. They may drive in front of each other's home, and they will not communicate. Broken, segmented, dysfunctional. Think about maybe your work environment. You know, people just don't get along for any reason. And guys, you think about all the other issues with races and genders and political parties. All these relation slips <laughs> are not a result of agape love. So that's why this month we've been focusing in the month of love, focusing on relation strive, where we look at our relationships and our lives and how can we think about investing how can we have a desire? How can we increase? How can we give more towards establishing healthy relationships? And last week I had a crossbow in here, and I blindfolded myself and just demonstrated how scary it is if we're engaging in relationships in our life when we don't have a target, 
Am I right? Like people get hurt. Things happen when you don't have a target set when you are establishing relationships. Someone say amen. So we are hoping that this message series helps us not only survive relationships. For those of you, you're thinking about your in-laws, your mother-in-law specifically. So I'm not not only going to help you survive relationships. We want you to be able to strive and thrive in your relationships. Amen. So listen, I want every one of you to look in your hand. You should have a Bible, number one, a Bible app pulled up, number two. Number three, you should have a share. Okay, that's uh, what we give out, um, just to kind of give everybody an understanding of what we offer here and what we're doing. If you do not have a share, please hold up your hand. One of our gorgeous, good-looking ushers or deacons will bring one to you. Um, so you need a share. The reason why you need a share this morning is because the right-hand portion is a Connect card. What we want everyone to do as I'm preaching, as I'm teaching, I want you to look at the right side of your Connect card, and you will see an area with lines in it where you can uh, sign up to serve at the Big Serve, or you can put in a prayer request, and that's what I want you to focus on today. I want you to focus on that. Get a pen, get a Connect card. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about someone locally that can drive here on a Sunday that needs help in relationships and I want you to write their name down here's the reason why I want you to write their name down because for two reasons you're going to turn that in at the end of our service and our um our offering boxes along with whatever God has placed in your heart to give I want you to write their name on there and as a staff we're going to be praying for those people that need help in relationships that you number two are going to invite to the next two weeks Okay, so write their name down. Those who need help in relationships, they're locally. We're going to invite them over. You're going to invite them over to one of the next two services next week or the week after as we begin to um, work on relationships, dealing with dating and then marital relationships on week after next. So write their name down. And at the end of service, I want to place those in the offering box. The staff is going to pray for them and you are going to invite them. Amen. All right. So. Relation strive. Relation is a noun. It's an aspect or a quality where two or more, in our case, people, okay, or things, people come together for one purpose. They work together. They become one. That's a relation, okay? So two or more in our, our context of what we're preaching and teaching about is an aspect or quality that connects two or more people. Everyone say, everyone say connects two. Everyone say connects two or more work together all right so that's the relation and strive is to make great efforts not to survive not to exist like many of us do in some of our late relationships we just exist we just survive we just we just give enough just to keep it alive in case we need something in the future right no we want to strive we want to make great efforts to achieve or obtain something we want to devote serious energy Serious energy towards that relation, towards that two or more coming together and working for one cause. We want to work towards godly relationships. Now, I said last week, and I'm going to repeat it again today. If you consider yourself a Christian, if you consider yourself a follower, a believer in Christ, the goal of every one of our relationships, I don't care if it's a fishing buddy, 
if it's a shopping buddy, if it's a gossip buddy, you need to stop hanging out with them, but you guys get where I'm going. I don't care what kind of friends you have, the goal, the target, what you should be striving for in that relationship is that they become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? How? Well, first of all, you have to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and you have to make the target of them becoming a follower of Christ, you have to make that the target of your relationship. That needs to be your relation strive. You strive working and giving so much energy to help them become followers of Jesus Christ. And as I said last week, and I'll say it again, as we begin getting a little bit closer every single week towards us becoming Life Spring Church, it is crucial. It is essential. It is foundational that we look at all of our relationships, and the most important thing is that we bring them to the living waters of Jesus Christ. Because everyone that we know, including ourselves, we thirst for things. We thirst for friendships. We thirst for relationships. We thirst for recognition, right? We thirst for acceptance. We thirst for power. Whatever you're dealing with, we thirst for forgiveness. Many people are thirsting for answers. And what we want to do as we become Life Spring Church, we want to bring them living water. Let's turn our Bibles um, to John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. This is, this is the root, this is the foundation of Life Spring Church. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water, the water that, that the earth has, the water that, that the world has, anyone who drinks whatever this world has to offer will thirst again. It will not quench. It may satisfy for just a small moment, but it will not quench their thirst. He said they're going to become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give, Jesus said, will never be thirsty again. It becomes, why will someone who drinks of Jesus, why will they never become thirsty again? Did he say that he's always going to be around you with a well? Did he say that he's always going to give you a water bottle before you leave for the day? Like I do with my son or myself. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, you drink the water that I give. He said, not only are you never going to thirst again, but here's the best part. The best part about leading someone to Christ and being a Christian yourself. The best part. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh. Everybody say fresh. No, you got to say a little more authority. Fresh. A little more confidence. Let's hear it fresh. It says it becomes a fresh bubbling spring. Where? At my neighbor who's really on fire for God? No, it says it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them. Why am I never going to thirst again, Jesus, if I drink the water you give? He says because I'm going to drop, I'm going to dig a well in you, that you're going to have a bubbling spring coming up inside of you, and it's going to give you eternal life. Somebody ought to get excited about that. Listen, when I read that scripture, some probably 1997, Dale, you know, actually that's when I surrendered to the ministry was the end of 1997. It was a holy year, I promise you, you know, and that scripture came to mind, and I learned it. I'm like, wow, inside of me, instead of, instead of just horrible things coming out, which is who I used to be, now it's a well of, of, of life-giving water, eternal life that I can share with others. And guys, I shared last week that we cannot relation strive. We can't continue to establish relationships with people 
if we don't have the right target. People get hurt. People get hurt when the target is not identified. And the identifiable target is we have to be about raising up devoted followers of Christ because that's why God put us here. That's why he said in Genesis that you guys remember last week that God created, went through Genesis and God created everything, the sun, the moon, stars, uh, everything from Jupiter and Mars, right? <laughs> Grass, vegetation, animals, water, sky. You remember that, right? And all those things he created, God said, at the end of each creation, he said, he looked at it, and it is, it is good. But the one human he made, ladies, y'all like that part, right? <laughs> the one human he made, he said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It is not good that man should be alone. I will create a helper for him, a helper suitable for him. So God's saying it's not good that we live alone, that we be alone in our Christian walk. We need help. And in Ecclesiastes, uh, just to reiterate the point, in the chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says two are better than one. And as I said last week, this is not romantic relationships that I'm talking about. I'm making it very, very general. This is applicable to every relationship. Two are better than one, for they can help each other do what? Exist. Make it through. Succeed. Succeed, strive, give forth good energy so that you can reach the goal that you're aiming towards. If one person falls, the other one can help, reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in trouble. God, here's the theme, guys. God wants a relationship with you, and he wants relationship for you. It's great, to, it's great to pull away. It's great to separate from those who pull you away from your faith. That is true. There's a time you need to do that. You need to cut off some relationships. Hear me clearly. You need to cut off some relationships. If they're pulling you away from your walking God, and it's a struggle to stay on track, you need to sever that relationship. Am I saying eternally? I can't be the judge of that. There are some that I had to. But there are some when I got secure in my faith and I was standing on the rock, just like we sung this morning, and I understood that God had appointed me for such a time as this to be still involved in their life, that I could be a light in their darkness. Then I was able to go back and rekindle that friendship. And then now I was able to give towards that friendship rather than be led by that friendship. OK, so God wants relationships with you and he wants relationships for you. And when we as Christians realize that it's not only our job to serve in the church, but it's our job to serve as the church. That's when you understand that relationships becomes paramount. It is the most important thing, as I said last week, the most important thing in our lives, other than having a, a healthy relationship with Christ, is to have godly relationships with others so we can lead them to his throne and forgiveness at the cross that Jesus paid the price for not only you, but all the other knuckleheads. Amen? Y'all like, I'm not a knucklehead. That's right. But, but before Christ, maybe you were. I'm just going to speak for your mom or your wife or somebody, okay? Um, so we have to understand that, guys, connecting with people is crucial when it comes to fulfilling the gospel. And it is futile. It's futile to serve people without connecting with them. Right. You want to be able to share God's love verbally. 
You want to be able to share God's forgiveness. You want to share your testimony. You don't have to go into some big debate or argument. You're just sharing something that happened to you. And if God has transformed your life and he set you on the path to righteousness and he's been working in and through you, no one can deny that. No one can argue with you about that, correct? You talk politics, that's an argument. You talk religion, that's an argument. But you talk about a personal experience that you've had with, with God. What, what bounds, I mean, like what, what grounds do they have to disagree with you other than their opinion? Amen? Let's talk about someone. Let's look at someone actually in Scripture that met with Jesus and, and, and really struggled making friends afterwards. Like really struggled making friends afterwards in the church. Have you ever felt that way? You just struggle making friends with people? Well, listen, let's go there. Let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be for quite a bit. Give everyone a minute to pull that app out or open up that Bible. I encourage each and every one of you, please, for your own spiritual health, open up that Bible. Have it on Sunday mornings. If you don't open it all week, have it ready to be open on Sunday morning so we could all have an allergy attack. Amen? From the dust flying off in the back dashboard, right? How many of you guys go through like Walmart parking lot and see Bibles on people's back dashboard? And they're the ones parked illegally where they're not supposed to be parked, right? Isn't that something? I guess it's just a path, you know. I, I, I got the Bible, you know. So anyway, I'm just being facetious and joking around. But I want you guys to turn to Acts chapter 9. Um, we're going to be talking about Paul. One thing I want us to understand is that uh, whenever we connect with people, whenever we build a relationship with people, our stories can change like that. And as I was preparing for today's message, I was reminded that that one relationship, one friendship in my life literally changed the entire direction of my life. And I'm thankful for that. It just so happened to be a pastor that was at a church that Brandy and I, Brandy grew up at. They, they hired this pastor. He came in, and, and shortly thereafter, I started making a little friendship with him, a little small talk. And then he invited us over, and, and Brandy started watching their newborn or toddler. And then uh, I'd go and meet her after I got off of work, going all week, come home on Thursday nights and waiting for her to get off from watching this kid. And I started falling in love with a toddler. And I was like, dude. This, like, having kids stuff looks cool. Like, why? Ugh, I hated kids. I couldn't stand the snotty, dirty diaper things, you know? But just being around this young boy, I'm like, man, this is, I like this, you know? Well, that ended up opening up the door for us hanging out more often and got a chance to know the pastor, and he invited us over for dinner. We'd sit down, and we'd talk, and we'd just pray together. We'd sit down in the living room and just pray and just talk about the goodness of God. Talk about awkward but what I saw was that this guy wasn't just someone who preached on a pulpit and was totally different throughout the rest of the day or the week. He really loved God. And that impacted my life. That one relationship changed the trajectory of my life. Maybe you're going back. I think about meeting Brandy. Meeting her changed the trajectory of my life. Her dad knelt with me at the altar and led me to Christ. Just about five or six months after me going to church and hearing the gospel for the first time. That one friendship, that one relationship changed my life. In effect, guys, 
It changed history. It changed history. One friendship. One slow dance with a girl at a high school teen club. The one time I ever went. One friendship can change your life. And I know y'all think about, yeah, I hung out with that one person that one time. Woo! Did it change the direction? Yeah, I was probably one of those, and I had a lot of those. But I'm talking about for God. Amen? Let's look at look at Apostle Paul, okay? Apostle Paul wasn't always a Christian. We hear about him. We talk about him. We read from him quite a bit. I mean, he wrote over a third of the New Testament. But he was not always a Christian. He wasn't a follower of Christ. Before he became a follower of Christ, he was actually a well-trained, highly educated, and skilled person. He was like the bounty hunter that would go out and find Christians and get them arrested or even killed. And he thrived. He longed to do it. He was good at it. He was prideful in it. And as he was traveling, Jesus met with him. The resurrected Jesus just, whoom, met with him. Paul fell off his saw, fell off, fell off his horse, had this encounter with God. He's like, man, what, what are you going to, he's like, why, why are you persecuting me? Do you know who you're fooling with? Anybody have one of those encounters with God? Do you know who you're fooling with? And next thing you know, he says, all right, God, whatever, whatever it is you have me do, I will do it. And he's like, okay, I'm glad you said that willingly because you're going to know what it means to suffer for my sake. And, oh, my goodness, did God honor his word when he said Paul will know what it means to suffer for Christ or for God in his name's sake. Let's look there. So I'm just guys giving you a little heads up on where we're going. He became a follower of Christ, and then his transformation was so radical, like all of our salvations should be. You escaped hell. That's radical. You've been inherited, for those of us who are unplanned, the offspring, you've been inherited, intentionally inherited by the creator of all things. That's transformational. Amen? And Paul, he saw these people who were so devoted to their faith, to this, this dead and risen Savior, that they were willing to die and go to jail. He saw this happen, but when it finally came to reality, he's like, wow. Then he met up with Jesus, had that, that salvation experience, and he immediately started saying, I'm going to now preach the gospel. Are you guys hearing me? That is radically, radically opposite. It wasn't a 17-year stint hanging out at church, I'm going to get this one day thing. It was I'm arresting them and having them killed to now I'm bowing down and I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to preach the same gospel that I penalized people for. Quite incredible. But here's what happened. Let's go to verse 26. Chapter 9. The book of Acts states it quite simply. It says, when Saul, who is Paul we're talking about, arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers. Now, your translation could or should say apostles or disciples. So Paul was trying to meet with Jesus' direct disciples. 
okay? Because they preach the gospel, and now I want to preach the gospel. So Paul goes to them, he tries to meet with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. You can't blame the disciples, right? You can't blame the disciples. I mean, I think they had plenty, plenty reason to doubt the fact that this guy really got saved. They had such high skepticism. This guy's killing, having Christians killed, having them arrested last month, and then this month he's wanting to show up a small group to lead a, lead a Bible study. That makes me a little itchy, right? Makes me a little sketchy. It took y'all 10 years to trust me as a pastor. You know, but Paul was way worse, I promise you. I guess he was. I don't know. Maybe we're all worse than Paul. But let's go. Let's continue on. So Paul's reaching out. He's like, I want, I want to preach the gospel. And, and Paul, Paul had a problem. He had no credibility. No credibility with these disciples because, like, you've been killing and having all these believers and followers in the way, having them arrested. No, we're not just going to let you in, like, quick, fast, and in a hurry like this. We got to, we got to look for your fruits. But then someone, everybody say someone, someone said, because they heard Pastor Lehman's message one day, and they said one relationship, one friendship can change someone's story. And his name's Barnabas. One friendship, one relationship can change a person's story and, in effect, change history. And that's what happened with Barnabas. And Paul's decision, number one, Paul wanted to reach out. Some of us as followers and Christians, I know we call ourselves introverts, or we're just, we don't want to get sick. We want to make sure we just, you know, listen, we have to, we have to pursue godly relationships. We have to. Everybody say, we have to. Come up with all your reasons, that's fine. But it's not good enough for someone's soul to go to hell. Amen? We have to build relationships. And Paul's decision to connect with the disciples, to connect with Barnabas, didn't just change his story, but it also changed history. You guys got that? Would you be sitting here if Paul had not met Barnabas? Would you be listening to the gospel? Would we have over a third of the gospel still for us yet today? And following the teachings of God's word, at least that portion, if Paul had not pursued connection with godly people such as Barnabas. Just imagine that. Understand the value of relationships. Understand the value of connection. I want everybody to say this. Say, Paul was one friendship away. Y'all see that? Just one friendship away from altering the course of not only his life, billions, trillions of lives. Did Apostle Paul know how much he would affect Damon Bodram's life? He had no clue. But he wanted more of God. So he pursued connection. And Barnabas let him in. Let's go to verse 26 through verse 30. Verse 26 says, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a follower or a believer. 
And Barnabas brought him up to the apostles and told them how Saul, who was Paul, or Paul was Saul, had been, had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Paul. He also told them, that's how you kind of tell you have a little bit of the fruit of God in you, is you're willing to preach the gospel. Not all, but for the average Christian. If you're really ready to start sharing the gospel, that's a clear sign that you got the gospel first. Amen? So it says right that he also told them Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus, verse 28. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Verse 29, he debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Everybody say gulp. He got in a little debate about his faith now, and they tried to murder him. Verse 30, when the believers or the disciples heard about this, they said, we, we need to go ahead and just get you on out of here because we don't want to be killed like you, be threatened. So they sent him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his own town. And not in a negative way. They said, look, man, you're preaching the gospel now. You need to bring this to your home people. Amen. You got to go back to your, your own family, your own people. And look at verse 31. I want, I want us to get something out of this. Verse 31 says, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became what? Who became stronger? The church. How in the world does a building become stronger? Say what? I want us to say it verbally. The church is not a building. Let's say that together. Can we do that together? The church, a building. They didn't hire a contractor to come in and add cinder block walls around the outside, right? Right? They didn't put longer screws in the roof. Or, or hurricane-proof windows to be, no. It says the church became stronger. The people, the followers, the collection, the assembly, everybody say the assembly, of believers became stronger. Why did they become stronger? Were they doing, like, exercises together? Aerobics? Memorizing scripture together? What? What does it say? Why did they become stronger? Read your verse. Mm? Say it, say it loud. The church became stronger because they lived in the fear of the Lord. Could this be a sign that modern day church is not strong? Is it because they don't live in the fear of the Lord? I see some heads nodding. I see some heads nodding because y'all old school. Some of y'all got a little gray in your hair. If not showing it, it's been colored. But you guys get where I'm going. You've been around the gospel. You've been around the truth, the full gospel, that you know what? People need to fear the Lord. Because when you fear God, he somehow supernaturally creates this affection this love, this appreciation for the grace and the mercy of God. But it's only because you first feared him. Amen? And that's why so many churches all over are weak. That's why they're dwindling. That's why they're going down to nothing. Because Christians, believers, so-called, don't fear God. And I'm not talking about a fear that you just shake 
and shiver. I'm just, oh, God, so strong. He's so I'm so scared of him. I promise you that's true. <laughs> you need to fear him in that manner. But what I fear mostly about God is not being in his hands. Because I read in Scripture, for those who walk away from him, for those who disobey him, it's unpleasant. It's not exciting. I want to be in his hands. So therefore, I fear the Lord. I want to please him. Amen? So it says that the church became stronger because believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in what? So many modern day chases, churches want to blame it on a thousand different things. Why the church is not strong or why the church is not growing in numbers. We can come up with some reasons, especially Pastor Damon's accent and his preaching. Amen. We can come up with that. But Scripture gives us an example. So let's stick to Scripture, right? When they walked and lived in the fear of the Lord, the church became stronger and they grew in numbers. You may be one friendship away from changing your story. You may be one friendship away from changing your story, really getting sold out for God because you get connected with someone who is encouraging you in your walk. You may be one friendship away from also changing the story of someone else. Now, I want us to read this screen. We're going to take ownership of today's point, today's message. That is, I am one friendship away from changing my story and making his story. Can we say that together? Can we read that together? Can we read the screen? Can we take ownership over this? I am one Can we, can we leave with that today? I'm one friendship away from changing my story. I'm really going to live up for God this year. I'm starting today, and it's going to change. It's going to make his story. It's going to make him known. It's going to make his story my story. Amen? You are one friendship away from a better marriage. Maybe your marriage is struggling because you've been receiving support <laughs> from the wrong friendship can y'all identify with that you've been listening to the wrong friend how they're educating you on how you should handle the the bumps in your marriage and they're not really they may be skilled in dysfunctional marriage but they're not skilled in a healthy life-giving god-honoring marriage amen so you are one relationship with the right person away from a better marriage you're one confession away from overcoming an addiction Bring it to the light. Speak to someone. Get a sponsor. Get set up with someone who loves God that has been set free. You're one friendship away, one conversation away from getting in better shape. A young lady that was in my college class, uh, college ministry back in Baton Rouge, um, she posted yesterday or a couple days ago, um, and she's a, she's a larger female and has struggled with her weight since a child. But she said on Facebook, she said, I thank God. For so-and-so becoming my friend and inviting me to the gym. Because it, it changed her life. It changed her story. Because the one godly friend invited her 
hey, let's, let's go work out together. Let's do this together. And they developed this awesome friendship, and now she's been working on her health for the last four or five years. So, guys, you're one conversation away from getting in better shape. You're one mentor away from understanding God's will for your life and that he's gifted you and prepared you to be used in ministry. You're one friendship away from a mentor. One. We need to be like Paul, and we need to search out those friendships that draw us closer to God, that bring us to a place where we start really walking out the gospel. Amen? One friendship away. What do I need to connect with the right people? What do I need? You need to step out. You need to pursue the right relationship with godly people, just like Paul did. Is there anyone you need to disconnect from? As I said earlier, are you afraid of connecting with others? Yes, I'm afraid of connecting with others because I'm afraid of getting backwashed. But who's the ultimate healer? Who's the ultimate protector? Yeah, but I trusted God and I trusted this person. And Lord, did they take me for a run? You're still here, amen? You're still here, amen? Who's faithful? God. And if you're still here, you're still faithful to him. So it may be a little intimidating to build relationships with new people, especially those who are going to challenge your faith and help you grow. But if God is seriously leading you to obey him, I suggest you step out. Amen. So I want us to look at another example, because it's not just Barnabas who invited Paul into the circle. It's more than just one person. It's more than just one friendship. It's more than just one relationship. It's one more than just one relation strive. You want to turn left in your scripture. You're in, you're in Acts chapter 9. Go left. Let's go towards Acts chapter 2. And we're going to see that something else had to happen before Paul connected with Barnabas. It has to do with another friendship. One friendship away from changing your story. Did I just lie to y'all? We are going to go to Acts chapter 2, but it'll be a little bit later. Stay, go back to 9, take a right. Y'all getting all kind of traffic jam. Y'all stuck at the red light again, and it says left turns only, you know, so it's all good. Let's just stay where we are. Acts chapter 9. Thank you, baby. That's my wife, for those of you. <laughs> That's not some random woman up in the booth, okay? That's my wife, 27 years, all mine. You can't have her, all right? Acts chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. So it's not just one person that's being obedient to God to connect with others, but here's another one. Verse 10 says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, I want you to go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, it says, go and win. Everybody say, go and win. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. That's preparation. That's God. God tells Ananias through this vision, this dream, to go and meet this guy named Saul. Then he says, he is praying to me right now. The guy who was having Christians killed and arrested is praying to me right now, is what he's telling Ananias. I have shown him a vision of a man named, oh, your name. Ananias. I've showed him that Ananias is coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Because when he met up with Christ, fell off his horse, and he became blind for three days at this time, blind. 
Can we say Jesus got his attention? All right, let's continue on. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, he said, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. I heard rumors about this guy. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said, in my opinion, again, the Lord said, go, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Man, Ananias could only see Saul. He couldn't see Paul as being God's chosen now instrument. And I think for us, we're the same way. We need to begin to see God's potential in those people we're a little uncomfortable with accepting into our circle. We need to see God's potential. He says to Ananias, he said, Saul is my chosen instrument. I'm going to use Saul. I'm going to use Saul to take my message to the Gentiles and the kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer in my name's sake. So verse 17 says, Ananias went and found. He obeyed God and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, here's the connect. What does he call Paul? Mm. Ananias didn't want to go to Saul. He didn't want to go because he heard about all how he was and the life he used to live. But God says, he's saved now. And I want you to go and lay hands on him. He's praying to me right now. And he goes in and just accepts him into the family, the spiritual family. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly. Everybody say instantly. Do you know that God was waiting on Ananias' obedience before this instantly occurred? Do you see that? He had been blind for three days. Paul had been blind for three days. But Ananias obeyed God, went and connected someone that he wasn't comfortable connecting with, laid hands on him, prayed on him, called him brother. And instantly, God was waiting for that one step of obedience. Instantly, what happened? Something like scales fell from Paul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and then he was baptized Afterward, he ate food and regained his strength. Let me remind you guys that the goal, the target, the plan. Everybody say, the plan, the plan. Y'all thinking about love boat. The little short guy, right? Y'all remember that? The plan, the plan. Everybody raise your hand if you're that old. What was it? Raise your hand if you, if you used to watch the plan, the plan. Yeah. Man, I heard that music come on when I was a kid. I'd run to the living room. But here's the plan. Everybody say, the plan, the plan. I love y'all. I love y'all. The plan for every single one of us is to relation strive in bringing someone to be a devoted follower of Christ. There was a legendary college football coach back in the 70s and 60s called Paul Bear Bryant. Okay. Um, he was a college football coach. Oh, y'all like that? Y'all like that, huh? So um, this is a quote that he had that just kind of got my attention the other day, and I wanted to share with you guys. He says, have a plan, a plan, okay? He says, have a plan. Not only have a plan, but here's the next crucial step. Follow the plan. He said, you'll be surprised 
how successful you can be. He says most people don't have a plan. That's why it's easy to beat most people. And he was talking about college football teams. He said they don't have plans. Or if they have plans, they don't follow. And that's why it's easy for people like us who do have plans. We make them and we follow them and then we beat them so then we succeed. So I wanted to just kind of morph that, that quote into something that we could identify with, okay? Y'all ready for this? We as a group of believers coming together, we're going to be planting Life Spring Church very, very soon. It says we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan. We need to follow a plan. And we'll, we'll be surprised at how successful we are in that plan. Amen? Most believers, that's all of you and us, we don't have a plan when it comes to raising up devoted followers of Christ. We don't have a plan. Most of you don't have a plan, and that's why it's easy to lose most folks in your life. They, they're not going to follow Christ because you don't have a plan to lead them to Christ. Amen? That's why so many people are still yet lost. With the hundreds of thousands of churches in the U.S. and the millions of Bibles and the hundreds of translations, the people that are in your life are still lost. It's because we don't have a plan to lead them to Christ, and we're not following the plan. Therefore, we are not succeeding in that plan. Amen? We need to strive. Everyone read the screen again where we take ownership. I am one friendship away from changing my story and making his story. Let's do it. Mm. I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago that I just recently started this uh, church revitalization and replanting workshop with some other pastors. And it's a year-long uh, class that we're taking once a month. We meet together for a couple hours and go over quite a bit of curriculum information and uh, one of the things I, I read just last week or week before last I wanted to share with you guys okay talking about a plan everybody say the plan the plan so in a recent survey it is revealed that 79 this is true guys I'm gotten this report from multiple sources multiple people who study statistics with churches evangelical churches specifically um, 79 percent of churches have little to no plan with reaching their community with outreach. 79% of churches have little to no plan. This may be the reason why 85 to 90% of all churches are either declining or they are on a plateau. This is the truth. 90% of American churches are declining. We could be one of those statistics. We could. But a year and a half ago, we decided we were going to just really, really, really trust God to begin making some changes. And it starts with me, and it starts with you. Making some changes, living in the fear of the Lord, understanding that every relationship is valuable. 
that we are to be raising up devoted followers of Christ. Amen. So I'm going to give you some quick things about how you can relate to Skyrim community. Y'all ready for this? Write them down if you want to. The Big Serve, that's coming up March 12th. Coming up right around the corner. That's the way that you can, re- you can serve. You can build relations drive with the people you go to church with, with some of the neighbors of the recipient or the recipient or anyone in your community that might show up there. You want to volunteer once a month or every couple of months with some local nonprofit. Just partner with them. Just serve there. Build relationships. Get an opportunity. Wendy was telling about she helped out with uh, PetSmart or, or um, what was it called, Re- Rescue, Pet Rescue. And she, I, I'm around people that I'm not comfortable with. We don't have the same lifestyle, she said. But I saw how God opened the door for me to be able to share the love of Jesus with them. Another way to do that is taking care of an elderly neighbor or someone in your subdivision or down the road, maybe someone who's disabled. Just, I say take care of them. I mean, just offer them a ride to the grocery store. Offer to go get them groceries or bring them to a doctor's appointment or something. That's one way that you can relate to Scribe. Baking cookies for someone or a pie or maybe public servants. Just going by and just blessing them. What about some of you who used to mess around with bicycles growing up? Would it be great if you relations strive by just having once, maybe a quarter, a little bike workshop, bike repair workshop, maybe for some teens or youth or kids or even adults in your area, just offering that to them. Now, for those of you who like to turn a few wrenches, what about helping a teenager learn how to maintain the mower that he makes his side money with or her, Right? What about doing something? What about teaching a a single mom or maybe even a single dad how to maintain a mower or something like that? That's a way that you can build relationships that otherwise would not happen. What about doing like missions outreach? When we were collecting things to ship to Haiti, why not invite your coworker? Hey, man, we're going to be shipping stuff to Haiti. We need these items. Wouldn't it be great if you helped us out in in reaching these, these orphans? Wouldn't that be incredible? You just invite them. Just think about those ways. What about having you are appreciated signs that you you change out throughout the year in the front of your home? You are appreciated and prayed for. And it could be for teachers. It could be for clergy. It could be for public servants. You could have one. Moms, we appreciate you. We're praying for you. Dad, we dads, we appreciate you. We're praying for you. That's one of the ways that we can relation strive in our community. And I want to share one last one. Yeah, I believe God gave it to us recently over the last probably four months. And this is the first debut, and I'm going to close after this. We were given a bus by our county over a year ago in December. And uh, we have not used it but once to go sing Christmas carols. Um, so I was like, okay, God, you blessed us with this. I didn't even go out like seeking it. I just filled out an application. I said, okay, God, if, if you want it for us. And not only did we get a bus, but we got a bus out of 40 buses. I had a list. I went through every single, like, maintenance history. I went and inspected all the tires, oil leaks. I, I checked all of them out, and I had the opportunity to handpick the bus that I believed was the best one. I, we got to pick the bus we wanted. So I'm like, that's God, but we haven't used it. Here's what I believe God's leading us to do. Could you imagine how many families, how many children that we could reach anywhere around our community by having a mobile ceramic art bus? How could you get kids together with their parents, 
their siblings, their cousins, their neighbors. Sitting together, the bus pulls up at their house, and they get to paint ceramics together. It could be family Christmas ornaments. It could be some other theme throughout the year. I've gotten a chance to do this in Louisiana twice uh, in the last year or two, and I'm telling you what, it is a blast. But here's the most important thing. That is one way that we can use this bus to reach hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of people with the love of God. Because some of you will be employed. You'll be the one hosting birthday parties, sharing the gospel throughout your demonstration and your teaching of how to paint the variety of ceramics. You guys ain't getting what I'm seeing. Could you imagine this? All the daycares in our area, you set it up where you pull up and you have 25 kids come up on the bus. They sit down and they're just excited and they get to paint an ornament for mommy. And then while you're leading them what colors to use and how to paint with brushes, you're sharing something that deals with the love of God, salvation, redemption, forgiveness, healing, eternal life. What a phenomenal way. So all the ones I just listed, all the little ideas, could you see yourself doing any of that? Whether it be a bike repair, mole repair, the big serve. Raise your hand. I got my daughter raising her hand, both hands. What about the, what about what about the Moberamics bus? I'm talking about wrapping, get a vinyl wrap on the outside. It'll be a separate nonprofit uh, underneath LifeSpring Church. I mean, we can really make an impact with families in our area. I want you to write this down as you leave. Write this down. Acts chapter two, verses forty-two and forty-seven. And I want you to read it this week, multiple times. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Write it down. Type it in. Read it this week. There's a reason. There's a reason. You're going to learn why next week. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that, God, relationships are important to you. I thank you, God, for the people that are here that have entrusted you to speak into their lives spiritually at this group, God, at this, this body of believers, this church, God, this assembly of followers. I thank you for each and every one, even those who are watching online. God, I thank you and I pray that you would move mightily in their lives as well. God, we ask that you would forgive us, Lord, where there's areas that we have chosen to disobey. Maybe for some, God, some just are chosen to be totally disobedient or just need some extra strength or guidance in, Lord. And I pray that no one would leave here lost, and that we would have that awareness, God, that we are one relationship away from changing our story and making your story known. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen and amen. For those of you, as you're heading out, remember, whatever it is God's placed in your heart to give, we have the offering boxes. I also want you to write down the name of the people that you're inviting for the next couple of weeks so we can be praying for them. We will be praying for them Tuesday. So write their names down, drop down your offering box, get your offering, and we will see you guys next week. Next week, we'll be talking about a little bit about romantic relationships. We're going to talk about dating. So teenagers, young people, those who have been married 17 times, you want them here next week because that's what we're going to be talking about. Amen? See you next week.